Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potter, and you're listening to Call Talk for March 15th, 2023. Today's topic is bringing texting to life in your call center. We want you to be part of the show. If you have questions, please email me at calltalk at benchmarkportals.com. I want to remind everyone that our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And now with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Well, Alan, since we are, are live on air, I'm going to get started, and hopefully we'll get Bruce back pretty quickly. Um, so my name is Gary Puddles, and I'm today's guest, and I think today's partial host as well. So we want to welcome everybody to the show. And um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Gary Puddles. I'm the president and CEO of AnswerNet. AnswerNet is a full-service contact center and technology company which operate in about 47 states and four provinces in Canada, plus having international delivery locations around the world. Today's topic uh, that we are going to talk about is bringing texting to life in your call center. For those of you who don't know the background, texting via SMS on the cell phone was first brought to life Basically, there was messaging on the Nextel handsets, and then three companies were pioneer preference winners from the FCC and built the first uh, cellular, cellular uh, networks that allowed for texting. And I had the honor of being on one of those pioneer preference winners. Uh, at the time, it was known as American PCS, and today it's known as Sprint. The, the, interesting, uh, the interesting event, the day we knew that texting was going to be interesting, was when the, the uh, engineering department all were watchers of Melrose Place, and one of the characters on Melrose Place died, and one of the lead engineers took the time to actually draw a caricature of the, of the person on on Melrose Place and send it out to the engineering department. And that instant hey, ability to communicate was really the beginning of texting in the U.S. I think I hear our host Bruce back on. And, Bruce, I was just sharing with the audience the, uh, the origins of texting via, te via cell phone in the U.S. And, you know, now we Great. can uh, move ahead with any questions you might have. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much. Can you hear me now? We hear you perfectly. We can hear you now. You can hear me. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And I apologize to the rest of our audience. I happen to be down in Mexico City right now for a conference, and uh, I guess the uh, line wasn't that good. But anyway, Gary, thank you very much for just stepping in and moving things along. So uh, what I was saying at the beginning that uh, people couldn't hear was that uh, in our over 10 years of doing a call talk, we haven't actually had a show dedicated specifically to texting. So we're really happy to have this opportunity today to get Gary's insights on how to make texting come alive for centers. And I think that uh, there, people who listen to this show probably fall into one of a couple of different categories. One is those uh, folks who are basically uh, uh, call centers and do the voice channel and are just dipping their toes in with texting and they want to understand better how they should do that and how they can uh, master that, uh, that channel as well. 
And then there's others who are doing chat, uh, texting, I'm sorry, already, and who want to know what the next level of uh, best practices is. So, Gary, I wonder if you could uh, take a minute to address each of those uh, audience components uh, to indicate what your uh, ideas would be, what your advice would be, what your experience is that you could share. It's my pleasure to share my experience. And again, thank you for having me on the show today. The uh, first thing I want to make sure that everybody here recognizes is that texting all landline numbers are now capable of being text-enabled. And what's even more interesting is you can text-enable a phone number on one carrier and keep their voice services on another. Now, some carriers are very tight about that, but if you push hard enough, you and your clients can do this. And the reason that's important is because for those of us in the call center business, it's really important to remember that anything is possible. And a lot of times people will tell you that you can't text enable this number or that number, or you have to use our carrier to do that. And that's fine as long as you can get the technical connection. But one thing to remember, so the first thing about texting I want all call center people to know is that the phone number is nothing but a identifier for that, for that relationship on the texting network. And the texting network and the voice networks have nothing to do with each other. If you get blown away by text, it won't affect the number of simultaneous calls you can take. And if you get blown away by voice calls, you can still get your text, uh, you know, your text on your systems. So that once you understand that, the first step is to understand how to text enable a phone number. And most of your carriers will allow you to text enable your number. And basically what that means is taking your phone number and making sure, or your client's phone number, and making sure that it is text enabled either by your, by your voice carrier or to, those, to the extent that that voice carrier doesn't handle it by a text carrier or a company that does texting. And, and so mm -hmm. now we know that the text can be text enabled. And as part of that, part of that registration, you're going to make sure that the texts are terminating somewhere that can be that can be handled by your call center. So the, the the that is the start. So the first piece of any text enabled uh, text enablement and text use in your call center starts with making sure that your text is text enabled and that it it is programmed to terminate at a place that it can be utilized by your equipment. Is that, is that enough of a deep background on text enablement, Bruce? Yes. Yes. No, that's great. And it gives our audience an idea, uh, those who are dipping their feet in, what it would be in terms of getting the technology there uh, necessary so that they would get uh, communications that would uh, end in the right place and the right way. And then if we, if we take it a step further, to uh, then the text comes in. Right, we're, we're set up for it, we're ready for it, and the text comes in. Uh, then, how are the uh, what are best practices with regard to actually handling that text? 
And I'd love it if you could go through sort of the soup to nuts. In other words, what kind of agent should be handling that or what kind of AI should be handling that? And also, um, you know, how do they, what kind of CRM can be brought into play with the information that's included in that, uh, that text communication? Did I just pour too much on you, Gary? You can never pour too much on me, Bruce. You and I have spent too much time together <laughs> over the years. You know that. Uh, you know that. Yeah. Get any challenge. So, so let's first start with. You can do anything with text that you can do with voice. So we utilize um, we use, utilize our SA hosted VCC product, virtual call center product. It's an omni-channel product, and most of the um, most of the carrier, most of the uh, omni-channel systems will have the ability to receive the voice to the call center agent. Now, in looking at technology for your call center, there are a lot of technologies out there that will provide your agency ability to communicate via text. The bigger challenge around that is the bigger challenge around that is really that of queuing. So in our platform, you have the ability to queue all of the non-voice channels and all of the voice channels so that when you're on a chat or a text or you're, you know, you're not going to get a voice call and vice versa. Part of the challenge that some of the uh, – so part of the mistakes that some of the early adopters of text enablement in the call center did was they were using separate solutions for their texting and chat from their voice services. That is a blueprint for trouble because unless you have the ability to put somebody in pause on, while they're on a chat so that they don't get a voice call, you're constantly getting bombarded with two different channels. And, and so the first thing that I would recommend to any call center uh, leader is make sure that you're using omni-channel communications. That way, mm -hmm. your call center mm -hmm. software will do most of the work. Now, Bruce, you asked a really interesting question about chatbots and, and the like. All text technologies, like voice technologies, can be done by automated alone, live alone, or automated with an opt-out to live. The same rules that you would apply in your voice call center, you would apply to your text and your chat call center. It really is about the customer experience that you are looking to deliver to your customers, or in the case of outsourcers like me, the, the ability to deliver the customer experience that your customers, that your clients want you to deliver. So the big issue around texting you know, for the bigger businesses, that works really, really well. And for the businesses that are willing to allow their call center to, uh, to allow their call center to answer 24-7, that's also uh, a real positive. It's really important to understand that with texting, even more than voice, people are living in a 24-7 environment. And that 24-7 environment really begs the question of why hasn't texting in all of these years, because we launched texting in 1996, why hasn't it become even more so? 
And the real problem with adoption has not been the bigger pro- bigger call centers and the bigger companies, but the smaller companies. How are small companies dealing with it in their call center, and and or how they're dealing with it? There's a new there's new technology out right now that now allows if the call center or the person who owns the business doesn't answer the text, it can then be pushed back to the call center. So again. It's really about the customer experience that they want. And, you know, you want an automated experience? I always recommend opting out to a live agent if somebody gets caught in an automated jail. But, of course, that's because I own answering services and call centers. So I, want, I want, always want to be able to talk to a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm at a conference right now in the uh, – whole uh, theme is around humanizing the CX experience in a world that's moving toward AI, right? And so there's a lot to pick apart there. So there's just one that I'd like to talk to you about for this, this question. And that has to do with the live experience. So where you do have live agents taking care of the uh, texting experience for the customers, what kind of agents have you found are the best to do that? Are they the same agents who are best for the voice channel? Are they the same as for other channels? Uh, is there different screening, hiring uh, that people should be thinking about in terms of people to take on board for the texting customer experience? So that's a great question. And in looking at agents who are going to be texting and chatting, you really need to look at their language, their written language skills, and their ability to write mm-hmm. uh, cogently, in, you know, in a quick way. So the, the bigger issue is you can have, you know, you can have a bunch of automated answers that you just push through maybe automated answers that get modified. At the end of the day, it requires a human who understands written language. And and what is is often shocking is that you have an agent who is so eloquent when they speak, and then they write like they didn't go to first grade. So texting, right, right. right, and by the way, it's also not educational driven, you know, just because somebody has graduated college or more doesn't mean that they are a great writer. I had, I had a friend in law school who was he, was, he was an outstanding speaker. He was a great guy and a great analytical mind, but his writing was terrible. It was horrible. And I, mm-hmm. remember, I remember him getting a poor grade on a, uh, on a final exam in one of his classes and the professor wrote, I gave, actually gave you a better grade than what is written here because I actually have gotten to like you and your participation in class, and I know that you know the material. <laughs> you just can't communicate it in a written way. And he found an area of the right. law where he was using a lot of forms so that he didn't have to do a lot of, of, of detailed writing. He was able to reuse a lot of the pleadings and the forms that he did in his practice, and he's been very successful his whole career. It's the same thing in the call center space. 
know, there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who don't want to talk. They're very shy. They're very, they have, you know, they have poor self-images, but they're really good on, on, in writing. And a lot of times you can, if you go into their social media, you can see the way they communicate in social media because there's a whole world of people in social media who know how to make a cogent sentence, but because they're so shy, they're not really good talkers. And, and I think that just trying to test for those things is going to be one of the most critical pieces as you launch your non-voice channel services in the call center. Interesting. Okay. And here, you know, any of our listeners who feel that they have uh, come up with the perfect combination of uh, screening technology, screening, um, you know, screening um, uh, techniques, right, best practices, please do write to us. Uh, let us know what you know about that because that's uh, something that could help a lot of other people as well. Um, if you have something to add to that, Gary, uh, great. Otherwise, I have another question for you. Well, we use a screening. Uh, there's an association out of Canada call so the call management association of camex and we use their screening tools to see how people can mm-hmm. communicate both written communication and voice interesting and okay, i don't know that company that and i don't make to... anything for referrals so i just but i share what we yeah. are using in our call centers gotcha gotcha okay now that's good to know that's good to know and again if any of our listeners uh, you know we're all part of the community here if you have any thoughts, please uh, write to me and, and then let me know because I'd love to hear from you. Um, so another question, uh, Gary, and that has to do with the interface between texting and use of that information and storage of that information by the, uh, by the company or the nonprofit or the government agency, whatever it happens to be. And so there'd be two levels of that that I would see. One is with regard to immediate internal communications, right? Because texting is oftentimes something that brings in information right away. And I'll give you an example of that. I was up in Canada and uh, working with a company that was in the ferry uh, sector. And what they were finding was that they found out through texting um, what was going on with their ferries uh, before they found out through their operations department, okay? So if there was a, a breakdown of a ferry or a delay somewhere, uh, they'd be scanning, um, actually, social media. This was a social media thing, not a texting thing, but, of course, enough, right. there's a lot of uh, things that are, uh, you know, shared by them. And they would find out that, you know, this or that was happening. And then they would call, and by scanning the uh, social media, they would find out. They'd call their operations department. They'd confirm that it was true. <laughs> okay. And then they would put into uh, operation a whole bunch of CRM procedures that had to do with letting other people know who were, you know, um, reserved for that ferry that they maybe should stay in the warmth of their home instead of coming down to the dock right away, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's sort of the immediate part of it. And then with regard to just storing for CRM, uh, you know, how, how does that get done? So it's a two-part question there, and I'll turn it over to you and see what you have to say about it. 
So let me let me separate those questions because the first conversation you're talking about is listening to social media for things that are important to your brand and for things people are saying yeah. to your brand. And that is a whole different show. That that, yeah. that, that so so actually you're, you're right. And I, I made a mistake in another, that in case, another but, time in another place. But, yeah. but let me address it. Let, let, let me good, let, let me correct okay. it. Let me correct it because I have a way of actually making it relevant. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but the fact is that there are things that come out of texting that could be of immediate uh, use and need for the uh, enterprise to know and to do something about. And then there's the things that can come out of texting that maybe don't, that they're more CRM-oriented type things. So I apologize for the way I uh, set it up with that example, but now I'll hand it back to you to see what you have to say on that. So, so what you're really alluding to in the first part is people don't want to sit on hold. They don't. So having a robust methodology to allow your consumers and your customers uh, and the public to reach your business via text allows the, the allows a one-way communication that occurs really fast. So if you can if you can push people to text, the nice thing about texting is you can send it in and, and people have some level, depending on the subject matter, consumers have a level of patience that they wouldn't have with voice. On voice you have to sit on the phone, you have to sit on hold and then when you reach somebody, they have to stay fully engaged in that conversation. And, and, and let me, so that there's no question about value judgments, I have a lot of voice clients. And, and, and you know, we have nearly 10,000 voice clients. So that's not the issue. The issue is how people want to communicate in a various situation. So if you give them a phone number and let them text that number instead of calling, they can give you that feedback. It's immediate feedback. And whether you have the agents quickly responding or you're taking it in and, and responding in a different way, for example, you can get it in and you can give them an automated response saying, hey, we got this, you know, we may have some questions, so can we have permission to text you back, you know, at a later time, uh -huh. those kinds of things. And, and you know, the, so, so there's, there's that. I'm certain, well, I know because I've been a listener, I know that you've talked about the customer journey many times on this podcast. What you're describing yes. is the way that you track the customer journey. So our software has the ability to track the customer journey. And we track it mostly by, by phone number and by email address. So any communication mm -hmm that you get on the text channel, you can push into your CRM or any business process software because what we, where, where we in the call center business and, and, and my role as the CEO of AnswerNet is we call it the business of any. Our job today is to allow any communication path connected to any business process software anytime, anywhere, on any device. And by allowing consumers and allowing people to text in, you can get that information. You are giving them a quick experience. And then, you know, then you can always interact more, but at least now you've given them a chance to say what they need to say, get you the information so your business can act on it quicker or your client's business can act on it quicker. So 
to then when you talk about taking that information and putting it into your CRM or whatever system that you use to track the customer journey, you can then see that that becomes part of your data and your database. And with all of the tools, the other thing you can do with all the tools that are out there for uh, quality that now read the text and then take from the text tension and all of those things, you can take this data, push it into those kinds of systems without the cost of converting it to text, right? So if you're not going to have the speech-to-text problem. You go straight into text, and you'll be able to do all of the same analytics that you're currently doing for voice. You have it in your CRM. So should you be uh, one of those companies that track the, the customer journey, it's all right there for you, mm -hmm. and you have the entirety of the conversation. Perfect. Okay. That's exactly what uh, uh, is helping me here. So that, that's great stuff. Um, we're starting to get to the end of our uh, time together here, Gary, but I'd like to give you an opportunity to uh, talk about anything else you think would be useful to our listeners with regard to uh, this subject. The, the other two big sub pieces of the subject, which we really don't have time to talk about, uh, it really, can, there's one is compliance. There is a whole world of compliance issues that exist for texting, and the compliance, mm -hmm. the rationale behind it is that texting is much more personal. We're much more likely to respond to texts than other forms of communication, because you know if somebody calls and does and, and you don't answer. A lot of times they hang up and they don't leave a message. If they text you, that sits on your phone with a notification until you respond to it. And the, the government doesn't like to annoy consumers. So the government says that's, you know, you need to have very strict, um, you have to have very strict approval to text from a business to text. Most of the stuff that we're talking about today is is conversations that start with the consumer texting into your business as opposed to text marketing. There's a whole world out right. there of that. The other thing is right. what are called, uh, which is the other thing is registering your text enabled numbers. You are going to do a lot of texting out. You need to, to register those numbers and get permissions back and forth. Otherwise, the carriers will block you. And that's become, in the answering service business, where we got our start and where we still have a fairly large presence, that's still one of the problems because when the carriers see somebody pushing out a lot of messages without a lot of messages coming back in, it, it triggers their, their AI to say, wait a second, this person may be a spammer and we want to block spam. Right. That is a huge thing. You know, texting is so much more personal. I can't tell you how many prospect meetings, how many client meetings I've sat in where some marketing person says, oh, we'll just send them text. And I highly recommend not getting down that path to text marketing because it, the government doesn't like it and most people don't like it. Right, right. And if someone is interested in doing it, but doing it the right way, uh, do you have any uh, suggestions for them in terms of resources or, or thoughts on that? I'll just say call me, you know, call AnswerNet, because we can help you handle text 
And I know this, I, you know, I don't want this to be a sales pitch, but this is near the end. So I will say answernet.com and answermytexts with an F, answermytexts.com <laughs> are, are two places yeah. that you can go to get real help doing anything you need to with, with uh, text, whether it's just helping you text enable your numbers and providing you with that all the way up through giving you software to handle your texting in your call centers or outsourcing those texts to my call centers. Okay. Okay. I guess I gave you that opening, Gary, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, I, I was, doing was really also, well I, I was also minutes. thinking about, what's that? I said I was doing great until the last two minutes. <laughs> exactly. You're holding back. You're behaving yourself. I was thinking also in terms of uh, uh, some of the associations in our industry that try to help uh, companies well, to uh, deal with, uh, with, um, yeah, with, with uh, compliance. So there are some good ones out there, Pace and others. That, uh, Pace, yeah, Pace uh, is where you and I met. And and yes. And, and I'll just tell you, if yeah. you want a compliance, there's guys, there's people like Michelle Schuster, the general counsel of Pace. Uh, there's uh, a guy named Mitch Roth who's involved. You know, uh, these are some of the top lawyers in the compliance space. Right, right. So, and, and this is a situation where, you know, you've got basically a nonprofit organization that brings together people and it's, um, uh, you know, has as one of its objectives to help with compliance. So uh, that's, uh, you know, also another resource people might want to look into. Okay, Absolutely. well, listen, we're at the end of our uh, time together, but I really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for sticking with us through little technical issues at the beginning. And, Gary, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. Um, with that, well, I'll turn things over to Alan to, to wrap, wrap things up. Okay, thank you again, Gary. Bye now. Thanks again to Gary and to Bruce for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archived shows on hot topics at benchmarkportal.com. Click on resources, then click on call talk where you'll find over 14 seasons of this show. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Pockotter signing out. Have a great day. <laughs>